So we're up to week three of our assassin series. And uh, if you missed it, um, if you missed the last couple of sessions, we'll work together on our website soon. Otherwise, you can go to the help desk and order a copy and we'll get that organised for you. Um, assassins are like hidden killers that have infiltrated our lives and the sole purpose of assassins is that to work from the inside to destroy our character, to destroy our relationships and to destroy our faith. They target our heart. And if we're not careful, our hearts become exposed, they become vulnerable and they become prone to an attack. Uh, the verse that we're sort of launching um, all of this out of is Proverbs 24, verse 23. Solomon, with all his wisdom, the man who was the wisest man on the face of the planet, he would say, above everything else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. If we don't guard our hearts, everything gets affected. I've shared before that we, we live out of our hearts. We, we love from our hearts. We, we parent from our hearts. We, we work from our hearts. We pursue passions from our hearts. We conduct relationships from our hearts. Our words, our actions, everything we do and say, Jesus would tell us, comes out of our heart. And the problem is, over the years, our hearts get full of junk. Stuff other people have shoveled into our life, words and wounds, Stuff we have shoveled into our life, stuff that we really shouldn't have done or said or thought or gone there, choices and things we do. And it's not surprising though that after we've got all this stuff in our heart that every now and then these things sneak out and they come unexpected into our world and we say stuff and we go, gee, where did that come from? I didn't really mean to say that. What we're learning is that stuff, where it does come from, it comes from our heart. We do things and say, well, that's not really me. I would suggest to you, maybe it is. Because what we do comes from our heart. And we sort of use Jeremiah as, a, as another mirror that says, who can understand the human heart? There is nothing else so deceitful. It is too sick to be healed. And that's quite confronting, you know. Without Jesus in our lives, we've really got a very sick heart. And without, without dealing with the stuff in our heart, it is really too sick to be healed. And so um, last week we introduced our first assassin. His name is Guilt. And... Um, and we talked about the guilt. Guilt itself is not a bad emotion. God places guilt in us for a very good reason. Guilt's that feeling we get inside when we cross a line. When we get guilt acknowledges on the inside, not necessarily on the outside, that, I, that I've compromised my values, God's values, or someone else's values. Uh, and guilt, we, we all face guilt. It's I, I said that, and I shouldn't have said it. I, I did that. And all of a sudden, my actions are going to have a ripple effect. I mean, I know too many people who have done foolish, stupid things. I've, I've done my own share of them as well, let me just say. But I've known people who a single act has destroyed churches, ministries, families. It's massive. And where does it come from? It comes from the heart. How did it happen? It was an unguarded heart, an unguarded moment that, that, that sort, of, sort of just popped out. Where did it come from? It's on the inside. And we need to guard it. You know, guilt, guilt poison, well, guilt hangs over us like an unpaid debt. Guilt, guilt sort of says, you know, well, I did something to you and now I owe you. It's like a, an I owe you. It poisons our hearts. It eats away on the inside. Unresolved guilt cripples us. It cripples and erodes our relationships particularly. It affects our, our relationship with others, our horizontal relationships, how we can connect to one another. But guilt also affects our vertical relationship, how we relate 
to God. And um, it doesn't go away. Sometimes our guilt turns into shame. Sometimes it turns into anger. You know, I let God down. I let others down. I let my family down. I let me down. And the reality is we can't undo what we did. Or we can't do what we didn't do. We can't undo what we didn't do. We can't unsay what has been said. We can't repair what we broke. And the good news, which I finished at last week, is that God made a way for us to deal with guilt. Isn't that good? We don't need to be bound by guilt. God actually made a way for us to deal with it. And last week we started about how we can repair the the vertical relationship with God. How we can deal with the guilt we have when we step outside of God's way of living. Uh, We discovered last week that Jesus paid, Jesus came to pay a debt that he didn't owe because we had a debt that we couldn't pay. Ultimately the punishment for our guilt was paid for on the cross. That's what I love about the cross. Oh, that rugged cross, our salvation. Where is blood poured out over me? The cross is the, the, the place where our guilt was paid for. It's not that God sweeps the, the punishment for our guilt away. No, the punishment for our guilt was, was poured upon Jesus. That's why as a church we gather and we worship him and we adore him and we love him and we thank him and we're so grateful for what he did because the debt was settled and our guilt and our sins were cleansed. And we saw last week that, that forgiveness is the antidote for guilt. The, the guilt that I have toward letting God down, the antidote for that is to understand I've been forgiven. If, and, and if I can understand that I've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus and there's no sin that his blood doesn't cover, if I can understand forgiveness, I, there's no place for guilt to hide. <coughs> if I understand that the truth of God's word and the, his light that shines on us is that we are forgiven. And as we put our faith in Jesus, and as we receive his love and his favour and freedom, we are set free from sin and shame and guilt. And the first step, and I started to talk about this last week, the first step on this journey of forgiveness is this thing called confession. Now, depending on your background, when I say that word, you might have all sorts of images come to your mind. You know, you might think of, uh, you know, going to a little cubicle and... Uh, and, and, and declaring all those things that you did just this morning on the way to church. So we've got a cubicle out the back if you need to. Dealing with guilt. And I want to talk about, um, a little bit about confession, confession because to be honest, confession is the last thing we want to do. Is that true? You'll agree with me in the end because it's true. You know, Kids, young people, you know, confession. Like, where's all my boys? Oh, okay. Confession. What's the, if I tell my mum and dad I did that, surely I'm not going to have more time on my computer or go out or driving or whatever. And so we don't want to confess. Or your boss. Where's my staff? So no. Um, you don't want to confess to your boss because, you know, if you, if you tell them that you actually did that, you know, well, what's he going to think of me? What's he going to do to me? So we, we keep these things on the inside. Confession. Or to your, to your husband or your, or your wife or your friend. I, I don't really want to say that because if they, if, if I said that, that would change everything. And so sometimes when we try to deal with guilt, we try to manage it ourselves and, and I've got three ways that we try to manage our guilt that aren't very helpful. The first one is denial. 
We tell ourselves, you know what, we're not really that guilty. What I did really wasn't that wrong. It really wasn't my fault. I couldn't help myself. He started it. She started it. They, they, they deserved it. It's nothing wrong with what I said or did because they deserved it. Someone had to set her straight. Someone had to set him straight. Someone had to make it right. And so I'm not guilty. I had to do what no one else was prepared to do. We try to minimize our sin, deny our responsibilities, and we try to rationalize, we try to justify, we try to rename our sin and call it something else to suppress our, to suppress our guilt. But on the inside, we know. On the inside, we, are, we know that we are guilty as charged. We've said it, we did it, we gossiped, we took it, we whatever. And on the inside, we know that no matter how much denial we have, we're still carrying this assassin of guilt hiding in the shadows of our heart. The second one is avoidance. This is where we actually don't, we, we, we don't want to deal with it. So we, we make ourselves busy. We get busier at work. We get, uh, we get busier keeping the house tidy. We get busier in our sports and our endeavors. So we get so busy that we haven't got time to process it or deal with this thing called guilt. Or perhaps we try to avoid the pain of guilt by, by drinking something or popping something. And yet when we wake up or when we sober up that thing called guilt, it's still there. We can't mask it. We can't hide it. We can't leave it in the shadows forever. But we can't avoid it. And the longer we avoid this thing called guilt, the heavier and the bigger and the uglier it becomes. I told you it's going to be a hard message. It gets worse. Um, we try to make up for it. Now, Sometimes we try to make up for the wrong we have done by doing good. You know, it could look like a bunch of flowers or a box of chocolates. You know, if a, if a family is broken down, you know, uh, often you see it happen so often that one of the partners would, would try to buy stuff for their kids because they feel so bad that, you know, I, I, I walked out on you, I did this and I feel so bad and our family's a mess and so I'm going to make it up to you by buying you stuff, by giving you stuff, by letting you do what you want and not putting boundaries around you. We try to make up for the guilt that we can have on the inside. We try to settle our debt, we try to pay people back. But on the inside, we know that's, that's never going to be enough. The reality is there's no shortcuts to dealing with guilt. There's no shortcuts. Now, if you remember, I said guilt is like an IOU debt. Guilt is like I owe you something. And so if, if guilt is I owe you something, that what we, one way is we could tr- try to repay the debt. Now, we could try, we could try to completely fix what we broke. We can try that. It makes sense. But the problem is, it's almost, dare I say, impossible. How do I fix a reputation that I've ruined? How do I fix a a, a marriage that I've shattered? How do I fix the pain that I've caused? How do I go back? I haven't got a time machine to go back and, and undo what I did five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. How do I undo all those unintended consequences of my selfishness or my greed or my cruelty or my thoughtlessness? How do I fix the, the fear that I planted, the sadness, the emptiness, the loneliness that I caused? You know what? If we could pay it back, 
The guilt would go away, but we can't. If it was possible to fix what we broke completely, chances are the guilt would be gone. But the problem is that we can't. So I want to show you a better way, okay? Because that way is not going to work. Now remember, if, if guilt is a debt that I owe, if guilt is an IOU something, the other option I can do, I can go to the person who I owe and I can ask them, would you cancel my debt? Guilt is an IOU. I owe you because of my actions. I am now indebted to you. I can't fix it. I can't repay it. I can't repair it. But I can come to you. I can acknowledge it. And I could ask you to cancel my debt. That's a hard way. But really, that's the only way. In fact, I believe that's, that's God's way. If you look at 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, John tells us, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. That's good news, isn't it? And I think we, uh, we, we celebrated this last week. If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and able to forgive our sins. Remember, the goal of confession is forgiveness. That's, that's the antidote to the guilt that we carry is, is, is forgiveness. The, the journey to get there starts with confession. And God is able to cleanse us from that. And I'm so grateful for that verse. I'm so grateful. You know, I'm sure all of you are grateful for that verse and, and maybe you've got a list of things. Maybe you have a, maybe you write a list of all the things you do on the spot and you get to bed at night and you go, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, please forgive me. As kids, we sort of, I used to grow up thinking like that. Um, there's a problem with this verse though. Because we think, we think that confession is enough. Remember, the goal of confession is not just getting our, our conscience cleaned. When, when John wrote this to the, to the first century Christians, confession was linked to another word. That word is a word that no one really likes. That word is called repentance. See, the Bible talks a lot about repentance and confession. And these two things aren't meant to be a burden to us. They are meant, they are designed by God to set us free from guilt. They're good things. These things don't hide guilt. They don't cover guilt. They root it out. They fix it. They shine God's truth and God's light into our hearts and the enemy has no place to hide. Confession and repentance. Remember, repentance isn't just, um, well, the, the biblical Repentance is, I'm going this way. I've realized I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm now going, no, no, no. It's actually going the other way. It's not a matter of slightly, it's not a matter of, okay, I've done the wrong thing. I'm going to slightly adjust it so it seems better. So it fits better on my tax returns or so I don't need to, you know, I don't need to make it so, you know, nasty. And so I'll just adjust things a little bit. That's not repentance. We confess our sins, we ask forgiveness, and we change our ways. We confess, we repent, we change. Confession is taking responsibility for our mess. 
Confession is taking responsibility for the fact that I wronged you or I wronged God. And it's more than just saying, I'm sorry. Nothing worse than hearing someone saying, I'm sorry, but... I'm sorry, but we were both in the wrong. I'm sorry, but, you know, I, I had a hard day today. I'm sorry, but, I'm sorry, but I had a good excuse. I'm sorry. You know what? We should, confession just says, I'm sorry. Full stop. If you need to add words to it, you can say, I'm sorry, I was an idiot. I'm sorry, I, 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 I sinned against you. I'm sorry, I, I hurt you. Please forgive me. Confession, forgiveness, repentance. Then we've got to leave it to others to forgive us. But our goal is to confess. Now maybe you've been down this road before. As I said, you've got a checklist of all the things you've done wrong over the last decades. And you, and you have, you've confessed them to God. You, you've, you've confessed them to God. You've told God all the stuff you did that no one knows about. And, and you're wondering why then, why then do I still feel guilty? If I've confessed it to God, why then do I still feel guilty? Isn't telling God enough? See, telling God you're sorry doesn't always resolve your guilt, guilt, because God wasn't the only offended party. I believe that your burden of guilt won't be lifted unless you go to the offended party. Uncomfortable message. Biblical truth. And you must be thinking, Mark, surely, surely all this repentance and confession stuff, that's all Old Testament. Because we're now under grace. And, and Jesus has forgiven all my sins yesterday, today, forever. Jesus is the same. And we, we blend all our theologies together. Look, I believe when you become a Christian, you become face to face with the overwhelming never-ending, reckless love and grace of God. I believe that with my whole heart. When, you, when you've come to faith in Jesus, you receive this thing called grace. You experience, you come face-to-face face with the grace of God that, that cleanses you and washes you and sets you free from any guilt and condemnation to God. And the reality is I can never do enough to make myself right with God. I could never do enough good things to make myself right with God. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus did it all. That's the grace of God. And so while there's nothing we can do to make ourselves right with God, and there's nothing we can do anymore to fix our relationship up with God because Jesus made it possible for us, it's not true with other relationships. So we could never do enough to fix our relationship with God. But we may be able to do something to fix our relationship with others. You see, God has forgiven you. I believe that. I know that the word of God declares that over us. But those we've wronged may not have forgiven you. In fact, maybe a key to them being set free from their pain and their struggle and their hurt and their bitterness, bitterness starts with someone coming to them and saying, I'm sorry, I did you wrong. Please forgive me. There's a story in Luke chapter 19 about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A little, little, wee little man was he. It's a cute little song, isn't it? He climbed up to a sycamore tree. What's the rest? Don't you know it? Thank you. 
Thank you. See, someone, that must be a Baptist one, Jenny. Um, <laughs> that's, we'll, we'll sing that next. I'll go down to kids' club and sing it with you. And we make it sound like a lovely little ditty for about Zacchaeus. But you know what? He was, a, yeah, he was, he was a wee little man, but he was a bad little man. I'll change the song. Zacchaeus was a bad little man. A bad little man was he. He was a tax collector. He defrauded. He ripped off. He abused financially, emotionally. In Zacchaeus's life, he had wreckage, relationships destroyed, families he had decimated by his, his unfair tax collecting and money exploitering schemes. And so he had a lot of wreckage. He had a lot of hurt that he had caused because he was a bad, bad little man. That's our little friend called Zacchaeus. And so he'd, he'd destroyed families, relationships, businesses, all for personal gain. Now, if you know the story, Zacchaeus didn't go and confess privately to Jesus. He didn't go into the little booth and say, Jesus, I need to, I need to forgive me, Jesus, for I have sinned. Zacchaeus didn't do that. In fact, Zacchaeus invited Jesus back to the home. And you, if you don't know the story, have a read of it. It's in Luke chapter 19. And effectively, in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, if I have cheated, that's not an if, it should be because I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. You know, in the Old Testament, if you have, if you have sinned against someone, the law would require that you give them back 20% more. Zacchaeus is going bigger than that. And so Jesus' response was, hey, hey, Zach, it's okay. All you needed to do, Zach, was just confess to me. It's all you need to do. You didn't need, you didn't need, Zacchaeus, that's going over the top. You didn't need to go and tell everyone. You didn't need, you don't need to give it back, Zacchaeus. Jesus didn't say, Zacchaeus, just confessing is enough. Jesus responded and said, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Jesus said, you know what? That is what I'm looking for. See, true salvation and evidence of this man's life is truly changed, is by, and his heart has changed, is by a change of actions. Zacchaeus just didn't admit to the sins of his past. He took responsibility for them. That is confession in the truest sense of the word. It is turning around. It is doing all you can to make it right. See, I, I know that I know that most of us would rather confess our sins just to God, yeah? Because you know what? No one else needs to know. It's nice and safe if I just tell God all my stuff because it's you know, no one else needs to know. It's, uh, it's a bit embarrassing if I tell other people that I took from them or I stole from them or I said this about them. You know, if I, if I talk to God, if I talk to God, you know what? It won't cost me anything because... I can tell God I did wrong, and then if I, if I make a mistake again, no one's going to know. It'll be okay. I don't need to go. If I can keep doing what I'm doing. I'm telling God every night. You guys are very quiet. There's no cheering in this message. I'll have a drink while you contemplate that. We like telling God. 
You don't like telling others. Because all of a sudden we're not accountable to anyone. Except God. And that's pretty important. But typically we'd rather keep it between us and him. Don't worry about others. The problem is confession is not always enough. If we don't, confession to God is not always enough because if we don't deal with people, guilt starts to grow. Now James, he has to say this about the role of confession. James would say, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to God only because that's enough. That's not what he says. I'm just checking, making sure you're awake and reading. And none of you corrected me. Um, (laughs) Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. We like the last bit of that verse, don't we? We love the prayer of a righteous man is powerful. What's the first bit? Confess your sins to one another. Talk it out. I believe that a confession or accountability is a nicer word if you don't like the word confession. Accountability, prayer are all keys for you finding healing. I don't believe, I believe that because God says it. Healing for our bodies, healing for our relationships, and healing for our guilt. Jesus would say this if you're thinking, okay, we've talked what, we've seen what James has to say, we've seen what Zacchaeus did. Jesus says this. This is a tricky one. This is a hard one. So if you're presenting your a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Now this, come on God, come on Jesus, you don't really mean that, do you? Because, you know, I've travelled all the way to the temple with my... Goat and my doves. And they're pretty smelly and the goats are out of control or sheep, whatever you want. And so I've, I've come Jesus to honor, I've come God to honor you, to sacrifice to you because after all my relationship with you is the most important. Jesus says, hold that thought. I want you to leave it there. What do I mean? I've got to go and find someone who's going to hold my goat. Someone who's going to hold my messy doves that are cooing all over the place. (laughs) Jesus says yes. Jesus here is is highlighting to us something really, really important that, that our, because we think, isn't our relationship with God enough? Isn't our relationship to, shouldn't we be focusing on getting right with God, confessing our sins to God? Jesus is saying, you know what, you cannot resolve your differences with God if you're unwilling to resolve your differences with the people around you. I'll say that again. Jesus, I believe Jesus is saying here is we, we cannot resolve our differences with God by all our, by the, the sacrifice was the process of finding healing and forgiveness in, in the law. But we cannot resolve, we cannot get our vertical relationships sorted out while we're not prepared to deal with our horizontal relationships. We cannot be in fellowship with the Father and out of fellowship with others if we have done them wrong. Our vertical relationship with God is connected to our horizontal relationship with others. Now the only rule, any time this doesn't apply, is if you lived on a deserted island and you haven't offended anyone. And I'm not to, and so then you don't need to talk to anyone because you haven't hurt anyone. You can just deal with, with God. But as long as you live in this universe, or this planet, or this country, or this church, or this family, or this 
You've got people around you. And I really believe Jesus is saying, you know what? It's important we deal with our heart relationship with God, but it's equally important that we deal with one another. They go hand in hand. Confessing secretly to God is no substitute for confessing openly to someone you've wronged. God values relationship. And God considers reconciliation a priority. I mean, the reality is Jesus came and died that we could be reconciled with God. We've got the responsibility to be reconciled with one another. And often, often, not always, it requires confession. Andy Stanley, who wrote a book called Enemies of the Heart, which is a part of what I'm presenting, some of the thoughts here, he says this, Part of walking with God is making that call you dread making, setting up that appointment you know that will be incredibly awkward, writing that letter that you should have written long ago. It means humbling yourself, owning up to your part of the problem and doing everything within your power to make those relationships right. And when you swallow your pride and take that extra step, something remarkable happens. Guilt loses its foothold in your heart and the power of sin is broken in your life. What do you think about those things? Before we close, I want to share something else that is really important. And some of you are going to breathe now because I'm going to give you some loopholes. Mark, surely I don't need to do all that. Really, Mark? No, tell me, is there a loophole? Is there an exception? Yes, there is some exceptions. This may not be all of them, but there's three exceptions that are here that I want you to consider before you go and... Wear a sorry shirt. When is it, when is confession maybe not the best path to take? Maybe the person you hurt is not around. Maybe they've passed away. Maybe they've been out of your world for the last 5, 10, 20, 30 years. Maybe you actually can't go to them. And this does happen. And I know in our congregation that would be happening to people here. There's, there's hurts that you've done before you're a Christian or, or whatever. There's the situations that you can never, you can never get to that person. You've, you've done stuff, whatever situation they've died or they've moved or they uh, you just can't get there. What do, what do you do with that? Well, I'd encourage you to take it to God. Take it to God and then let it go. You're not gonna, you, you may never get some people say, I forgive you. But you can go to God for people that you can't get to. That's all you can do. I can't get to this person that passed away since that, or moved away. But can I encourage you, if you have a heart that goes to God and says, God, help me let it go. I acknowledge what I did hurt you, hurt them, and I need to let it go. That's one reason I think that, because I don't want anyone to be burdened, but I don't want anyone to walk out. I had someone tell me last week that um, I came to church feeling good and I went out feeling guilty, Fiona, um, and rightfully so. And so I don't think any of us should be, I don't want any of us to walk out of here carrying a burden of guilt that is not God-initiated. So, so this one, this one is something... All you can do is take it to God 
throw yourself upon his grace and ask him to set you free from that. And last week I mentioned it, and I also mentioned it again here. We've got some fantastic prayer ministries in our church that can really help you in this journey. Um, VMTC, and they've got a school coming up. Pete's here today, Pete and Chris. So they've got a wonderful ministry where you can go and you can deal with a lot of this stuff uh, with some people who love you and pray with you through that. Also, we've got a Sozo ministry that Ali heads up, another ministry that can really help you process how God sees you in the midst of this. So there's some really wonderful things our church has got available to you. Uh, if you need more details, you go to the help desk, they'll tell you about those things or connect you to those people. So if the person's not around, that's one loophole. Loophole is probably not the right word, but it's one exclusion. Secondly, not all guilt is from God. Some guilt we self-impose on ourselves. You know what? Like, um, I was on a, well, I was going to get, I was going to give you a real story. You feel guilty when you sort of go on a diet and then you stick to it and then you lose weight and then you sneak back up again. Anyone else feel guilty about that? Just me and, that's not God. That's not from God. That's just self-imposed. Just cut it off. There's other things we put self-imposed guilt, you know. You might be thinking, here I am at this stage of my life. What have I done with my life? What difference have I made? And we could start to get speed ourselves up. I mean, you guys, hopefully you guys don't have that much of this. You guys are a long time ahead of you, you know. But you know what? You might be thinking, here I am, maybe at the older stages or middle stages in your life, wondering, what have I done with my life? What, what, um, I just haven't, I haven't achieved much. That's not guilt from God. You can't do anything about that. Don't, don't carry that guilt. Um, guilt trips from other people. That's not godly guilt. If someone comes to you and puts you on a guilt trip, that's not godly guilt. That's not something you need to confess. That's not something you need to carry. If someone told you you shouldn't, you, you, you should be better than that. If, if they start to put on you their stuff, you don't need to carry any of that stuff. You don't need to go and confess because they said you didn't meet up to their expectations. That's not from God. You don't, there, there's a loophole. You don't need to, you don't need to confess that. You don't need to take ownership of that. You probably need to resolve the relationship, but you don't need to carry that guilt around. It's rubbish. Other guilt. You know, the enemy, the Bible calls the the devil the accuser. He messes with our minds. He'll tell you you're not good enough. He'll tell you you're not worth anything. He'll tell you God won't forgive you. He'll tell you God can't forgive you. And, and sometimes we confess our sins over and over and over again and to God and the enemy keeps shoveling it back into our laps. That kind of guilt's not from God either. The, the only good guilt, if I can use such a concept, the only thing we need to take care of is the guilt that comes when God's Holy Spirit says to us, it's time to deal with that. Because when God convicts us, we need to probably think about how are we going to go about with confession and repentance and trying to make that relationship right? And the last thing I want to share, and it's really important because this, this can be very harmful. There's times when confession to the offended party may not be beneficial to them. This is, this is really tricky. And um, so sometimes confession may do more harm than good. 
Yes, we need to get right with God, but sometimes dumping our sin upon someone else that you've wounded may hurt them even more. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous, Anonymous, in their step nine, this is what they say. They don't say that. They say, I'll read it to you, I didn't write it. They say, make direct amends with such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or to others. There's wisdom in that. We need wisdom and we need caution. It's not a get out of jail free. It's not a, poof, I don't need to tell them that now because, you know, they're not going to lie. Not a matter of not liking it. It's a matter of, of you going to God and actually understanding, is this, is this going to be helpful for them? Because I suspect if it's not helpful for them, for you to talk to them, and this is a very rare occasions, we still need to be accountable. I think God wants us to be accountable to someone, to some person that we can talk it through and, and pray it through. There may be a time when you can't confess to the, the sin to the person you've wronged. I would suggest that you probably need to confess it to someone that you trust and someone that will still hold you accountable to that. Almost done. Everyone say... Whew. Don't clap because I'm almost done, Norman. So, No guilt, that's all right. No... Yeah, I, I know. Deal, I, I know this is hard. I told you at the beginning, so I've delivered. I know dealing with guilt can be really hard, but if you don't deal with it, this is why I'm talking about it. If you don't deal with it, if you don't deal with this assassin, it's going to poison you. It's going to poison your relationship with people that you love, and it's going to drive a wedge between you and God. I encourage you, get it done. What we reveal, God can heal. Let's say that together. What we reveal, God can heal. The stuff we keep hidden in the darkness, God can't deal with that. We need to allow the light of truth and God's love and God's grace to shine in our hearts. We need to expose this assassin. And if we don't, he will mess, or she, it will mess mess you up. The goal of confession is not simply a clear conscience. Conscience. The goal of confession is a changed life. And I would expect most of us in this room would confess to God. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I would, I would think most of us would con- confess to God a lot. Typically, here I am again, Lord, and stuffed up again. Who else says those prayers? Just me and Martin and Chris. Yeah, we, we confess to God a lot. Maybe you confess on the spot. You know when you've done something wrong, you go, oh, God, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to say that. It's great that we've taken, it's great we've taken it up with God. May I suggest to you, and, and James gave us a great key. James says, confess your sins to each other. But is, is this, is this why you haven't been set free from the guilt you've been carrying? Is it possibly perhaps because you haven't talked to the person about it. Perhaps the, the key to your true healing will start with a phone call or a letter or a card or a, or a coffee. The, the goal of confession is not just to feel better about yourself. That's not the goal. I'm not, I'm not wanting any of you to feel better about yourself. Well, I am, but, uh, but not just that. I, actually, I want you to feel really good about yourself. Clarify that. 
But that's, that's not the goal. The goal is to, to give you opportunity before God to change your heart and to, to guard your heart and to allow God to strengthen your heart and, to, and to, to, to build things around your heart that are going to protect your heart because I want you to protect your heart with all diligence because out of your heart, your life is affected. The reason I'm taking this time to share this series is because your heart is important. Your relationships are important. Your family, your parenting, your 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 friendships—they're all important. <coughs> You've got to guard your heart. And I think if we can deal with this thing called guilt, if we can walk around with the light of God's truth and God's love and God's grace shining on us, if we can understand the grace of God of forgiveness, and then we can take one step further, and then go to the person we may have wronged, or hurt, or offended. Or gossiped about. Or, you know, I just think we need to deal with our relationships. Jesus says, you know what? Just go to them. Pray for each other so you will find true healing. I think that's the key. I really think that's the key. So let's get our team up. And as they're coming up, why don't you just close your eyes for a sec? When you get still, just just still, slow your heart down a bit. Set aside the distractions. Just allow God's presence just to assure you of his love for you, of his grace towards you, of his favour. Remember, you are a child of God. You're loved and adored by him. With your eyes closed, the question I ask for you is, how's your heart? How are things on the inside? Is everything okay? Is Is there any guilt that is buried, hiding in the shadows? Stuff that you've had there for years? Stuff that is just wounding and poisoning and hurting you how's your heart I want to just keep their eyes closed just for a minute if you're here this morning and you can acknowledge to me and say Mark I've got some guilt in my heart I want to deal with just give me a little wave I just want to pray for you thanks 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 lots of hands lots of hands lots and lots of hands you know, we all got guilt. And Father, we come before you as your children. And Lord, we acknowledge our hearts are broken. Lord, we acknowledge we've stuffed up. We've messed up. We've screwed up. Lord, I thank you for your grace that forgives us. I thank you for your grace that just pours over us and reminds us that we are, that there's no condemnation because we are in Christ. Lord, I just pray that you'll help us, though, to have those right conversations. Help us to to take that step and to make that call or to have that conversation. Lord, help us to, to, to see the damage, the guilt that we're carrying is having on our relationships. Lord, I pray that you'll help set us free shame set us free from guilt 
Lord, I pray that you'd give us wisdom to know what to do. And you give us the courage to do it. Even when it's hard. Even when it's painful. Even when it's the last thing we want to do. Lord, we understand this, according to your word, Lord, is the pathway to be set free and healed. In Jesus' name.